What's There's that? like a bunch of construction going on down my street. Okay, yeah. So if you hear construction noises, I hope that's your kink because we can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday I was sitting outside because it was so nice and a plane went over and I was like, oh, is that Tasha's plane? <laughs> <laughs> Twice that happened. I was like, because when you fly into Madison, you go like right over my house. You can see my house, you know? Yeah, it was, we got in at like nine so I was looking out the window that I'm like, I wonder if we can see Gabe's house from here. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, welcome to SVU Pod Especially Heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are on season five, episode 12, Brotherhood. Gross. So the opening scene, we're at a wastewater treatment center. This employee is telling a supervisor that they need to shut down due to this issue with the tank. She's upset. She's like, oh, shutdown's going to cost a lot of money. But like, so will shit blowing up, you stupid bitch. You know, Yeah. I fucking hate that shit where they're like, we can't shut things down. But it's like, if you don't, the government or the world's going to explode. And it also seems every time they bring it up. In those kind of like high pressure situations, it's really fucking risky. Right. Like, we can't shut down now because if we shut down, it'll inconvenience us a little bit. But if it blows up in our faces, the fucking nuclear codes explode everywhere. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's literally like what happened in Chernobyl. The guy's like, we're not shutting down. They're like, it's going to blow up, but we're not shutting, you know. Right. So this is going to turn out really well. Yeah. So when they get to the tank with the problem, there's a dude with a big net. And he's like, I got something. And a fucking purple ass dead body floats up like a big body. Right. That was me, actually. That was my first role ever. And uh, yeah, (laughs) a big, a big purple body. That was my purple bloated corpse. (laughs) Was my nickname in high school. I also played Grimace in all of the old McDonald's commercials. (laughs) Yeah, I used to have a big fat ass. (laughs) I thought you were going to say a big fucking hard on for Grimace. I was like, he seems like your type. That's when I knew I was queer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so obviously now it's a crime scene. There's officers, CSU, SVU. They're all on the scene. Stabler's talking to a cop. The victim is a white male, late teens or early 20s, appears to have had something shoved up his rectum. That's why SVU's there. Yeah. He doesn't have a wallet or clothes on him, and they didn't find anything nearby. The wastewater plant is locked in the evenings and weekends, but the officer says that it would be super easy to break in. The treatment plant boss lady tells Benson how the tanks work. There are these things that aerate the water and keep everything spinning so solids don't float up. Poop. Yeah. That's why the body was kept unseen in the water. Mm-hmm. Just poop. The employee dude says that there's tons of microorganisms in there and that the body has been in the tank for probably about a week, but he doesn't know. He didn't know shit. He's just a poop guy. <laughs> he does know shit. Oh, <laughs> he just, oh, me and Stave's over here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Benson thinks that the microbes in the tank probably have eaten the trace evidence. Stabler says, well, whoever dumped our victim really knew their crap. We got poop jokes over here. <laughs> poop jokes. Two for one. Poop jokes. Get them while they're hot. Get them while they're steamy hot. <laughs> Gross. So now we're at Corner Warner's office. She tells Benny and Staves that she thinks the body was dumped in the water about 36 hours before being found. So that would make it late Saturday night. The cause of death is blunt force trauma to the head. The sewage washed away a lot of evidence, but she did find Pyrex glass in the victim's scalp. Benny was like, oh, so Corningware was the fucking whip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> But I was like, I thought Pyrex was a brand name, but it's like a type of glass. 
I thought it was a brand name too. But or maybe, is it a maybe, brand name? I didn't look into it. I was doing this on the plane, so I couldn't. Maybe it's a brand it. name, and it's like they invented it. Yeah, maybe. Oh. Or maybe they do the same thing because they mentioned fucking Domino's later. So right, or Kleenex. Maybe they're just throwing around fucking just slugging Pepsi's right on screen. <laughs> Label out. Take a gulp. Yeah. You know? <laughs> The victim was also sodomized with something that causes major lacerations. Mm. And a tattoo of Greek letters for a fraternity were found on his body. She couldn't make out what the tattoo was and had to remove fucking five layers of epidermis before she could see it. And I was like, holy shit. So the tattoo is from Tau Omega, some fraternity two blocks away or whatever. (laughs) Corner Warner was actually able to find the victim in the Greek directory her husband keeps next to his Harry Potter books, which made (laughs) Stabler laugh really hard. This guy's name is Tyler Henry Jr. I didn't understand that little, I don't know why they had to have that in there, but they're good. It personalized it in a way that I really liked. Yeah. One of his housemates, Rob Sweeney, reported him missing yesterday. Corner Warner is so fucking good at her job, dude. This whole thing, she was like, oh, I figured all this out. I looked into this. Also, I did half of your work for you that I didn't have to do, but I did because, you know. And you laughed at my husband's reading choices. Get out. (laughs) Have a little respect. I'm Corner fucking Warner. At the Tau Omega fraternity house, Benny and Staves are doing a walk and talk on campus with Rob. Rob is oozing early aughts frat from his pores. Yeah, he's gross. He has a stupid hoodie on with Greek letters and a stupid hat that matches with Greek letters and a cool denim jacket, but that's neither here nor there. He just looks like the guy that's like line up pledges. It's gross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He says he hadn't seen Tyler since the Saturday before and he wants to be the one to tell Tyler's parents about his death. Tyler's dad, Xander, was an alum of the frat as well. So they're all fucking brothers or whatever. Nobody's named Xander. (laughs) Sorry, Xander. There's like one guy in his car and he's like, oh, <laughs> there's never a little license plate at the gift shop when I go. Is that a Alexander? Like instead of just being called Alex, you go for the last longer part? Well, there's like people that go by Topher for Christopher, which Ew. I am so sorry if you do that, but I hate it. <laughs> that guy's in a frat. The guy who uses the long part of the extended name. Mm-hmm. Ben isn't in the frat. Jammin' is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was with you the whole the whole way for that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was on board. <laughs> okay, so Tyler's mom lives in Maine and dad's a big shot lawyer uptown. I'm like, this is just stacking up to be a really great SVU episode. Dad's a big shot lawyer. He's uptown. He's got power. Better watch what we're doing, team. <laughs> well, so they're walking and talking, right, on campus. They get to the frat house and go up to Tyler's room where there's a bunch of computer equipment. And they're like, wow, he's... Uh, Got a lot of funding. And Rob says that Tyler's dad only paid tuition. Tyler made all of this money to buy these things himself by doing web design. Benson starts to kind of imply that Tyler may have been stealing from the Panhellenic Council, which was he was part of the frat treasury, whatever. But Rob defends Tyler, saying that he was just really good with money. Rob then shows them Tyler's computer. (laughs) There's just sweet transition work happening in this moment because it zooms in on the screen and then it zooms out and boom, we're in the fucking crime lab and we're on Tyler's computer still. 
<laughs> the CSU tech guy is examining Tyler's files. He confirms that Tyler wasn't a thief, that he had $40,000 worth of direct deposits coming in from a porn site that he ran, and he made money off of pop-up ads and shit. He also secretly videoed himself having sex with women and put it up on another site. I'm like, this is such Ugh. a fucking cliche frat fucking... Wasn't there a guy in the early aughts that did this shit? He like made a shit ton of money doing the same stuff. Oh my God, are you saying thinking... a documentary about it and they, like, the women were pissed and trying to shut it down. But the he, most like, hated man on the with... internet? Yeah. 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 That's a, what was that on? Who is a documentary? This is what your chaser is about? No. Okay. It could have been. Good, because I don't want to talk about that guy anymore. Oh, okay. (laughs) You're like, we've been talking about him for the length of a universe phone call. (laughs) So Stabler asked the CSU tech for a list of advertisers on Tyler's sites, because those are leads. Ooh, where does one lead take us? To Moose's Pub. We come into this scene with the eggiest, deepest voiced lumberjack bartender named Moose saying, So Tyler Henry's dead. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Munch and Toots are the ones that are there interviewing him, by the way. Mm -hmm. The bar owner knew Tyler and said that he made him a lot of money. Not only did this guy advertise on Tyler's site, but Tyler also apparently came up with Ladies Night at Moose's Bar. What a fucking innovative genius. He's the Nikola Tesla of club promoting. Like, you know what? I got an idea. Let's do a ladies night. Fucking. It's like you own a bar. You never thought of that. You fucking turd. Right. Does this guy have a full ride to college? He's a genius. (laughs) So for this ladies night, dudes would pay $10 a head and ladies got in for free. They closed the doors at 11 and that's when they would start the wet t-shirt contest. This bar would make $3,000 in a night doing that. And normally that would be a dead night. So this guy's like, Tyler fucking rules. I don't think I've ever said that sentence and I'll never say it again. (laughs) (laughs) No, nobody has. So the bar owner says that Tyler's dad represented he and Tyler in this case when a woman was angry about the wet t-shirt contest because the fucking footage that Tyler took ended up on one of Tyler's websites. So Mm. we better go talk to fucking Xander. So Toots and Munch speak with Xander. So this guy, he's the guy who always plays bad guys. I I know I can't think of anything he's been in, but I know you'll tell me because here we go. This is actor Gary Cole. And if you've never seen him in anything, you've been watching TV and movies in a completely alternate universe. He has 200 Mm -hmm. credits, which include so much voiceover work, Family Guy, Big Mouth, Bob's Burgers, Kim Possible, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, long running roles in series like NCIS, Veep, fucking suits y'all entourage west wing and big old movies like pineapple express talladega nights dodgeball he was mike brady in the brady bunch movies fucking bill lumberg and office space (laughs) oh my god Mm. yeah Mm. i mean that's an that's a fucking deep dive but this this guy he is in absolutely everything and he is always a fucking bad guy but he's got an amazing voice too so like that's just like a fucking doop into his voiceover work like he's done so many so many different yeah. roles but yeah he's great he's awesome. i forgot he was the the dad in talladega nights That's right. <gasps> oh my god yeah if you ain't first you're last you always told me did i say that he's like the second third fourth place even 
He tells them that the girl sued Tyler over the site, but she, quote, didn't have a leg to stand on since she stripped in a public place without the expectation of privacy. Toot says that a court in Texas awarded a girl $5 million who stripped in a bar. They said that she did have the right to privacy. Xander seems super familiar with that case and immediately responds with that the court actually ruled that a company couldn't profit from her likeness. Mm -hmm. Since the footage from Tyler's site is free and he wasn't making money off distributing it, the gal who was suing Tyler didn't win the case. Remember, they were saying that Tyler made money off the, the ads, not the videos. Yeah. He's a shifty little fuck. Xander pours a drink. Toots asks him if he had any problem with the son exploiting drunk college girls. He gets pissed mm-hmm. and tells them that they should be out looking for his son's fucking killer, not questioning his son's ethics. It, I, I get that they're running down leads. Mm-hmm. And I hate that I agree with this guy, but I do because that is true. Mm-hmm. I, ju- I just want them to because I don't want to be like, hey, because of course this is apt. But also let's up the bedside manner when dealing with the family of a victim, regardless of who that victim is. Yeah. You but Munch I mean? kind of pops in and he kind of remind Xander that they're asking this stuff because it could have something to do with why Tyler was killed. So dad's like, okay, yeah, the girl's name is Chloe Spears. So Benson and Stabler go to speak with Chloe. She's a total fucking babe, by the way. And she looks really familiar. Because it's Serena Williams, dude. That's what I fucking thought. That's what I fucking thought. I fucking thought. Oh my god, this fucking show. Also, this episode, like, I think every other scene, I was like, <gasps> this popped up, and I was like, is that Serena fucking Williams, dude? Yeah, like that's what. Yeah, it's tennis pro Serena Williams. She actually pops up pretty regularly in different things. Because I was like, I wonder how many credits she has. Twenty eight. She has twenty eight credits. She was in multiple Beyonce music videos. But yeah, she does like a lot of. Little- I was like, that looks like a young Serena Williams. I'm like, well, because it fucking is, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it is. <laughs> Like, she looks really familiar. <laughs> God. Sorry, she's an extremely famous person. <laughs> she says that one night I went out for drinks with my friends, and the next thing I know, I was all over the fucking internet like some porn queen. Mm. Stabler tells her that she stripped in public and no one forced her to. And then she's like, well, 50 dudes were fucking pouring drinks down my throat and carrying me on their shoulders to a stage with a spotlight. She's like, I got drunk and I got fucking stupid. Which does not mean that she should have been taken advantage of. Like, you get to be drunk and stupid and not be raped or exploited. Correct. So a gal fucking doing a wild night at a fucking bar, in her mind, is maybe surrounded by like a couple hundred people. Not the entirety of the fucking internet. Her dad's not there. You know what I mean? Like, it is... It is a violation. It is fucked up. And now, mm-hmm. yeah, 20 years later, we're like, okay, yeah. we have to be more cautious about shit like this. And there's more laws in place and whatever. But I mean, shit was happening so fucking fast with the Internet. Like they couldn't make laws and protect people fast enough. It was just mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it still is a thing, but it's not as much. She says she only knew Tyler from that night and he seemed like a nice dude. She asked him to take the video down because if her coach had seen it, it could have made her lose her scholarship. Mm-hmm. Thank God he didn't or she didn't. Whoever. That would have been a mistake. It's Serena Williams. Right. Benson asked where she was Saturday, the night that Tyler would have been dumped in the water treatment plant. Chloe was playing an away basketball game. She says, quote, I got myself a triple double. We beat Penn 82 to 45 and then makes a fucking dang swish. Whoop. The camera's like right there. So now we're at the precinct. Everybody's doing a case update. Craig and Munch and Stabler think Chloe could have had someone kill Tyler for her. This is a, such a reach. I was like, what? But right. she doesn't have a boyfriend and Toots is on the phone checking with her family. Stabler says, what happened to keggers? Kids don't even party anymore. They're too busy making money off porn. <sighs> and I just didn't even say anything to that. I was just like, next. Uh-oh. Munch makes a comment about how the other women on the website don't seem to have a problem with being on Tyler's site, only Chloe. 
Benson's like, just because the other girls didn't sue doesn't mean that they were... Not exploited. Yeah, super pumped that they were exploited. Right. Munch fucking says, our culture teaches women that the quickest, easiest way to become rich and famous is to objectify themselves. Why get a job or an education when you can be the next winner on The Bachelor? It's the new American dream. And I was like, oh my God, The Bachelor's that old? Also... We don't fucking need your opinion. Like, when's the last time you've been a woman in this culture, Munch? Like, you stupid fucking racking fuck. Like, as he's fucking doubling down on this shit, Benny does that thing where she covers her face with both of her hands and teleports somewhere that's not in the room with this guy fucking mansplaining how women feel to a woman. Right. Where she's like, yeah. you know, actually, and he's like, let me tell you a little something about being a woman these days. It's like, okay. <laughs> Thanks, <Right>. Munch. <laughs> Back in the walls. <laughs> <laughs> I just came out here to find some hay for my nest or whatever the fuck. (laughs) So Toots gets off the phone and found out that Chloe's dad, Vernon, was in Sing Sing for three years for assault and battery. Last week, he had busted into the frat house and tried to fucking fight Tyler. He also works for a furniture warehouse four blocks away from the treatment plant. Four blocks. I feel like this fucking season, they're really trying out like different block distances. They're, they're really trying to expand this universe. Maybe as they go, oh my God, duh. As they go, New York grows every year and it's doubled in size at this point. <laughs> Munch and Toots go to meet with Vernon. This guy was George Barnfather on Homicide, Life on the Streets, and acted alongside Munch years before SVU. And I was like, oh my God, they must have loved doing this scene together. Vernon says he was making deliveries until midnight on Saturday. Munch is like, on Saturday? I can't even get Domino's to deliver past 10. And Domino's is like, hey. <laughs> they've really they've really turned it around as a company. Vernon tells Munch and Toots that they pride themselves on their service and fully denies killing Tyler. That goes against our company policy. I, <laughs> I can't murder any, I, I could have gotten fired. <laughs> I'm employee of the month. You think I'm going to kill a guy? (laughs) Toots gets a call while Munch continues to talk with Vernon. Munch starts to victim blame Chloe like, hey, she's pretty lucky going down to that bar and doing a little strip tease, you know. Yeah, he's trying to get him riled up. Yeah. Yeah. And he succeeds. Vernon gets fucking pissed and grabs Munch by the collar. Good thing phone calls are never more than seven seconds because Toots grabs Vernon off of Munch like, what the fuck are you doing, my dude? And puts him in handcuffs. The call had been from Corner Warner. They're going to take Vernon to the precinct to check out some evidence she found. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. Domino. <laughs> Corner Warner's going over the findings with Benny You know what? Do- Domino's, what? if you hear this, send me some fucking garlic knots. God. Send it pizza. <laughs> hey, Domino's, the person that is Domino's. <laughs> So at the crime lab, Corner Warner is going over the findings with Benny and Stabes. There are two kinds of fibers she found in Tyler. One was a hair, and Stabes gets a little excited. He's like, ooh, the perp's hair? Corner Warner says, not unless he was related to Seabiscuit, and pauses for the laugh that she was expecting after the joke. And Benny and Stabes just stare at her, which I agree. (laughs) Ser- seriously, dude, the 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 like 1.5 second pause between her saying sea biscuit and then them just continuing on with the conversation could have lasted the entire second act of the show. It felt that long. It was just <laughs> dead air. That was the only joke she's ever attempted. She's like, that's it. I tried. Anyway, it was it was a horse hair. That was the joke. It was a horse yeah. hair. Mongolian stallion, she says. Ooh. 
Benny's been hanging out with Toots too much because she's like, oh, okay, cool. So what are we talking? Flog, whip, cat of nine tails, hairball gag, sex swing <laughs> compiled from bathhouse shower barns. What? <laughs> none of those. It's none of that. The other fiber was actually from a rare Brazilian wood used for violins and their bows. So he was sodomized with a violin Ooh. bow. Yuck. And that shit is so fucking expensive. John's sister plays the violin. It's like 15 grand or something crazy for a violin. It's wild. Hmm. It's a whole world I don't know anything about. Like, holy shit. Yeah, I wouldn't have before knowing Heather. So back at the precinct, Stabler finds the kind of bow used to assault Tyler. It was $3,000. Jesus. There's one shop in town that sells them. And there was one sold to Nathan Angeli, a Tau Omega pledge. Mm. That was not difficult to run down. That was no fucking top of a pack of gum. It wasn't an empty film container on top of the sexiest rock in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Benny and Staves walk up to the Tau Omega house. A bunch of fucking dudes are standing on the steps. Their eyes are straight forward and they won't respond to Stabler. One dude comes out the door. It was fucking Rob, right? That was Rob. Yeah, that Rob dude. I know him because he's wearing that stupid hat. He yeah. wears it the whole time, so we know that it's him. Yeah. He comes out the door and he says, eyes front, dudes. Don't say a word. He tells Benson and Stabler it's a, quote, quiet day. Benson's like, I don't fucking care. Make them talk. We need to talk to Nathan Angeli or whatever the fuck his name is. We're the literal Manhattan police. We are SVU detectives. There's a dead person that we have questions about. I know. Rob says that Nathan was voted out the week before, but he won't tell them why because, quote, what happens in the fraternity stays in the fraternity. Mm. Stabler's like... Come here, youngin, and threatens him with obstruction of justice. Mm-hmm. And so the guy's like, uh, 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 I <laughs> those were his lines. Yeah. So this guy, this fucking Rob guy, makes pledge, quote, Patsy, tell them. All the pledge says is that he was voted out because he didn't understand unity and bonding. And Stabler's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Rob says no one wanted him around if all he was going to do is whine. And these, these fucking fraternity fucking st- stupid bullshit things like this is the one time i wanted stabler to fucking lose it on some stupid fucks and he doesn't Mm -hmm. like i wish he would have treated them like a pile of cups in the precinct and like (laughs) dramatically knocked them around (laughs) (laughs) rob ends up telling benny and staves where nathan lives on campus so benson and stabler go to nathan's dorm room his roommate will answers the door he's like (gasps) this is it's fucking fulton reed from mighty ducks I don't remember. I haven't seen that. It was in a long one time. of the Bash brothers. Oh, the 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 mighty like the two fucking beefy dudes that are like, oh, fucking Bash, whatever from Mighty Ducks. I don't remember. I he seen was in a long, long time. This guy was also in the Hunger Games Mockingjay movies, Lords of Dogtown. He was fucking in the Butterfly Effect, Idle Hands. She's all that. Like this guy has been in a ton, ton, ton of shit. Okay. He was a brunette in the Mighty Ducks, so maybe that's what's throwing you. <laughs> Please tell me that's a movie you've seen 35 times, though. I've seen it a couple times, yeah, but not forever. There's probably a swear word in it, and my parents are like, no, you can only watch the Buttercream Gang. Buttercream Gang. So his roommate, Will, answers the door. Nathan isn't there. Benson finds a bong, and Will's like, no, don't tell my folks. They'll freak out at time. (laughs) 
Stabler finds Nathan's fucking violin. Will says that Nathan had stopped playing when he was pledging. Stabler asks Will if he can take the violin and Will's like, oh, you can't because it's not mine. And Stabler goes, well, I'll tell you what, how about we take the bong and you instead? And Will's like, oh yeah, it's fine, take it. Yeah, violin. so just the violin? Okay. Because weed was a big crime in 2003. Mm-hmm. Okay, Will tells him that Nathan is with some quote and he goes like chick girl i mean woman named alicia i just thought that was funny because he was like "Uh, i'm trying to be i don't know trying to be proper i don't know it was weird right anyways benson stabler find alicia (gasps) she's wearing oh is she somebody um not really but she's in euphoria (laughs) she is she was in a couple episodes who is she? I don't know. I didn't look into it. I was just like, oh, shit. Alicia's wearing a hoodie with a hood up. And when asked about Nathan, she lowers her hood and reveals pink roots and blonde hair. Earlier in the episode, she was one of the girls on Tyler's site where he was like secretly taping them having sex. As soon as I saw her with her hood up, because at the beginning they were going through the gals on the site and they're like, oh, he's got quite a variety. And they were talking about the different ethnicities and they're like, he's even got a girl with pink hair. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that's going to come up later. And then we get to this girl who has her hood up. And I'm like, there's pink roots under that fucking hood because I'm a goddamn detective. (laughs) She asks if Nathan is in trouble. And they're like, maybe. Do you know fucking Tyler? And she's like, no. (gasps) That's another that's another rich guy nickname. Fanny. Have you ever heard a guy called Fanny? No. Because his name's Nathan. Ew. Yeah, that's a that's a big time. I've never heard that. Yeah. Rich white guy. Fanny. Staler says, well, then how did he end up with a video of you and him having sex? And she's like, oh, my fucking God. She walks into her dorm room with them. She didn't know she was being taped and she dumped Tyler the second she found out. Like, what a piece of shit. Uh-huh. But Benson noticed that she has photos of that fucking wastewater treatment plant on a wall in her room. I was like, what the fuck? She's like, it's the hottest wastewater treatment plant in the city. <laughs> she's got it pinned That's up. That's where it's I met like from, It's from Tiger Beat. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Toilet beat. (laughs) (laughs) Toilet beat. So she says she's an eco science major and she was doing a project for school and Nathan drove her there. So Nathan's been there before. Mm. She tells him that her and Nathan had been together all week and he didn't kill Tyler. And they're like, well, we didn't tell you when he was killed. That's weird that you said that. Mm -hmm. A message comes in on the computer. Benson intercepts and checks it. And it says, I thought you were meeting me. Benson asks if that's from Nathan. Alicia gets fucking pissed and upset. Benny and Stapes get suspicious and the music gets all swelly. And she mm. tells them that they're going to meet at Cannon Cafe on campus at the CCC. Yeah. So at the cafe, <gasps> Alicia doesn't meet Nathan. Stabes does. Bloop. He plucks him right out and arrests him. This dude is the only one. Out of, there's so many people with like a billion trillion credits. This is the only one I found who has another role in SVU in 2016 other than that he doesn't have a ton of stuff Hmm. this guy's face makes me angry in the precinct (laughs) toots is showing nathan the video of tyler and alicia now this scene we're going back and forth back and forth between interviews right in one room nathan is being questioned by munch and toots he says that tyler has shown the video to all of the other pledges to humiliate nathan because nathan was seeing alicia Mm. while because of this nathan stuck up for himself and got kicked out of pledging then he tells munch and toots that alicia hated the frat so it was fine that he got let go because he'd rather be hanging out with his girlfriend mm-hmm. munch takes that opportunity to try and wordplay him and he's like oh is that why you killed tyler alicia put you up to it <laughs> and i was like fucking smooth detective munch <laughs> smooth detecting <laughs> cut to the room where alicia's being questioned by benny and stapes alicia's annoyed that they think she and nathan had anything to do with tyler's death she's got an easy alibi to check out 
Mm-hmm. We were at the movies and they're like, okay, hang on a second. Let's go check it out. Just kidding. We're going to keep questioning you. Stabler <laughs> thinks it's a pretty big coincidence that Tyler's body was found at the same sewage treatment facility that Alicia had been researching. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is. Boom. And she's like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I was at the movies. Right. What do you want me to do? Back in Nathan's interview room, Munch and Toots show him the photo of the fibers from his violin. And they're like, how do you explain that? Hmm? Mongolian horsehair guy. He tries to say, oh, my bow's in my violin case. And they're like, that's a cheap knockoff. You think we didn't fucking check that shit? He's like, okay, fine. I stepped on the fancy one and I broke it. So I replaced it with a cheaper one because I don't want to spend three grand and my parents would be mad and whatever else. Nathan's starting to look a little worried. Mm-hmm. Back in Alicia's interview room. <laughs> <laughs> they are getting irritated with her. You better start talking, you super hardcore pink-haired hussy. Suspense, suspense, suspense. There's just like so much. This music does not stop the entire time. This yeah. And they're the like when they're like they're like in their face. Like like when Stabler's talking to her, his lips are like brushing against her cheek as he's talking because he's that that <laughs> it's close. Too much. Alicia tells them, fine, it was Will that killed Tyler. Nathan's roommate, Ashton Kutcher's friend, you know? Mm-hmm. What? Uh, the guy who's on the hockey team. The Mighty Ducks guy. Butterfly effect guy. Oh, okay, yeah. The roommate who was like, my bong! <laughs> yeah. Oh, that Will. Yeah. Of the episode. Okay. <laughs> that was my great-grandpa's. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was my great-grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> She says that Will called Alicia's room around midnight the night Tyler was killed. He said that he needed to talk to Nathan. Nathan and Will had pledged together at the fucking frat, Tau Omega, Mm -hmm. and Will had quit the month before. Well, now we go to the other side of the glass. Do you have one? Because I have one. I I thought I... I was like, since it was your thing, I thought I'm like, maybe Tasha wants to do one this time. But I can do one. But go ahead. I have I have one, but it's Do it. It's a it's a it's a little shout out one. On the other side of the glass in Craigan's mole hole. They're going over everything the background music guy is not gonna quit this episode. So Craigan's mole hole is like my favorite new thing. In our walk and talk group on the Facebook group, Ursula posted this and she added Gabe and myself. This was about a prior episode. The hedgehog rolling up into a library and leaving the room joke in the escape episode sparked another Craig and behind the two-way mirror theme idea. A wind in the willow style mole hole at Christmas where mole Craig is curled up in a plaid armchair. Maybe Cute. with one of the mole judges sipping homemade wine in front of a cozy little fire. <laughs> And then Kelsey replied to Ursula and said, OMG, and Craig is reading a story to the mole judge. <laughs> and then I said, I love this. Mole hole was my nickname in high school. <laughs> but you guys, there's room for everybody. These guys are going over everything on the other side of the glass with Craig And the background music guy is not gonna quit this episode. This background music is it. There's a conductor just sweating his ass off, like, <laughs> flailing his arms. Yeah. He's like, (sighs) 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 you're waiting for like the fucking peak. This is a, this is a cigarette song and it's 45 minutes. No one on campus has seen Will for a few hours and Alicia and Nathan's movie date was confirmed by the concessions manager. A phone call was logged from Will's cell phone to Alicia's room at 12.55 a.m. that night. Toots comes in. The ER in Bellevue is on the phone. Will gave Nathan as his emergency contact. Will fucking drove his car into a wall and is in the You ER. were like, Toots comes in. <laughs> Toots. Toots and suits. I just spent a week with my mother-in-law. I'm like, 
in the hospital, Will's being taken back for surgery. He's on a gurney. He looks like, I mean, he's just been in, a, in an insane car accident where he drove into a wall. The doctor's like, he ruptured his spleen. And Stabler's like, well, you're going to need to stop because I'm a cop and I need to talk to this guy for a little bit. Can you believe that? <laughs> and the, the doctors like, are like, who in the fuck? Yeah. But they do. They stop. And Will's barely conscious. And Stabler's like, hey, did you kill Tyler? And Will's like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was just like that too. He was just like out of it. It's like, dude, he's eating some fucking Gardettos from the vending machine while he was waiting for them. You cool, Tyler? Yeah, dude. Sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, my guys. spleen though. Can we talk later? My spleen is like, ooh, I could really use yeah. a little patch up. You know what I mean? Hey, save those rye biscuits for me. <laughs> Those are my favorite. Really? They're my least favorite. Oh, it's just, really? Oh, that's why it's perfect, perfect, perfect for each other. <laughs> What's your favorite ones in there? Um, I like the squiggly little breadsticks. I could. Those are those are my least favorites. Ah, oh, I love that. <laughs> um, oh. OK, so now we're in the hospital prison ward. The court is taking place in Will's recovery room. Like, can they fucking do that? And here's where I start predicting shit. All right. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be a court episode? Like his lawyer will say that they coerced a confession out of Will. Well, he had a ruptured spleen and was being taken to surgery. They literally stopped him going in and asked him if he killed Tyler. I mean, how many pain meds is he on at this point already? Exactly. Yeah. That ends up not having to do any with anything. Apparently, this is all run-of-the-mill normal this shit. is all fine <laughs> this is all by the book this kid is in fucking traction and they're like hey we're gonna <laughs> hold this in your room yeah i mean he's on machines he's all propped up and stuff you can't tell me he's not on fucking meds mm -hmm. he says that he's not guilty of killing tyler and then novak says will must have forgotten he confessed to the crime your honor she calls will a flight risk because his parents are super wealthy mm -hmm. she wants remand will's lawyer kressler says he needs six months in a rehab facility so he won't be going anywhere Judge rules that Will has to turn over his passport and wear a monitoring device. Bail is 200K. And then the judge is like, and if there's nothing else, I'd like to go back to my mole hole. He is one of the mole judges. Definitely. He is, yeah. So Novak and Kressler are doing a little walk and talk and they're fucking negotiating a deal. Kressler wants first degree manslaughter, fucking five to seven years. Novak won't take it because, duh, this is murder. Kressler mm -hmm. says that Will is the real victim. He tried to kill himself because he suffers from rape trauma syndrome. And Novak is like, um, what? Kressler says Tyler sexually assaulted Will when he was pledging. He didn't go to the police because he was ashamed and embarrassed. Okay, I don't like Novak for a bit after this. Mm -hmm. Novak doesn't believe Kressler and thinks that they're claiming rape right now is too convenient. And I was mm. like, okay, chill out, Novak. Yeah. Kressler tells Novak that Tyler, quote, teabagged all the pledges and sodomized Will with the pledge paddle. Ugh. He's like, do you know what teabagging is? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> She's like, do I want to know? And I'm like, I hope you tell her on TV what it is. <laughs> teabagging is. And he does. <laughs> Novak still doesn't believe him and asks for proof. Jesus. Kressler's like, you know what? You don't believe me? Have your shrink talk to him. So now we're back in the Bellevue Hospital prison ward. Huang's with Will. Will doesn't really want to talk about it, but does. He says Tyler didn't force him to go down into the basement. He just grabbed the paddle and told him it was, quote, time to make you a man. He was a pledge, so he was going to do whatever they said. Mm -hmm. Tyler ordered him to take off his pants and, quote, assume the position. Huang asks him why he, quote, went along with it. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Why are you talking to a... Okay. Will says that when the pledge master says jump, you say how high. Will was going to take any punishment the frat dudes dished out. Right. 
Will didn't tell him to stop because he didn't want the punishment to get worse, and he didn't want to quit because he didn't want to be a wuss and a quitter. Will did quit later, though. He was sick of Tyler's shit and didn't want to fucking take it anymore. Then Will says he didn't mean to kill Tyler. Tyler showed up at his dorm and called him a quitter and started pushing him around. Will rightfully freaked out because he'd been fucking raped by this guy. He hit Tyler with a blender because he was scared Tyler would try to rape him again. And then Wong says, yeah, but like Tyler was just laying there. Why would you sodomize him with the bow? Will says that he wanted to do to Tyler what he had done to him. Huang says, quote, 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 you let him rape you, didn't you, Will? I was like, what? He says, yes. I'm like, what kind of question is what like, a bizarre shows right now? Yeah. For especially coming from Huang. Like it didn't make I was like you, trying to make it make sense because why would Huang say it like that? If a fucking woman goes along with what the rapist is telling them to, to do, it's fucking surviving. Yeah. Like, no. And it should be considered that for anybody who's being victimized yeah. like that. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. Especially from fucking Huang. I know. Gross. Disappointing. Mm-hmm. Well, now Huang's going over the info with Novak, Staves, and Kragen. He says that Will is a textbook case of rape trauma syndrome. He blames himself for not trying to stop the assault. And so did you. No, that's the only reason I could see him saying, like, he's lead- leading in a way, being like, you let him. To see if Will would say, yeah, I did. Because Huang knows that's crazy that he would blame himself. But somebody who has rape trauma syndrome would blame themselves. I st- but but then to say it's not your fault i still don't like it i still don't like it because it feels a little bit like reaffirming to that person like oh you let that happen a little bit a lot of bit a lot of bit yeah 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 okay so huang's like yeah will's a textbook case of rape trauma syndrome and he blames himself for not trying to stop the assault and fucking novak who we're already mad at says well he could have tried harder just quit pledging the frat Ew, dude. Ew. Quang, yeah. Craigan, and Stabler start explaining hazing to her and like pledging and the whole process of it. They tell her that quitting would have made him an outcast. Initiation is all a part of it. It's supposed to prove that they're men. If they can't do it, they're not a man. It's dominance based. So the rape is dominance and giving them girls' names, pledge Patsy, pledge Nancy, whatever, is a form of dominance. It's just fucking disgusting. The whole thing is so fucking disgusting yeah there's not stabler's like yeah that's why uh they gave him girls names and called them that they weren't men because there's nothing worse for a man than to be like a woman right because yeah. mm-hmm. the women are fucking just trash mole holes <laughs> just fucking vessels fucking gross you run like a girl fuck you you run like a guy who's never cried in public like just fucking <laughs> <laughs> you run like a guy whose dad never said i love you <laughs> You run like a guy who would punch somebody if they tried to hug you. (laughs) You run like a guy that punched a hole in the wall because he thought you were changing the game off the Super Bowl, but really it was a fucking joke by fucking T-Mobile or something. (laughs) Or whatever that was. Remember that fucking story? You run like a guy that would run a family off the road because the mom accidentally cut you off in her minivan. (laughs) You run like a guy named Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) You run like a guy who blames his future ex-wife for the restraining order she has against you. (laughs) This could be the rest of our day. You run like a guy that would murder any man who hit on you. You run like a guy who calls your friends the F-slur for fun. You run like a guy who won't wear tidy whities (laughs) even though they're more comfortable because you think it makes you seem gay. You run like a guy that won't wipe his ass because touching your own butthole is gay. All right, let's, okay, let's, let's keep going. We'll, got, we'll, th- we'll throw some in here and there. Yeah, okay. Where am I? 
Okay, so the rape is dumb. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's dominance-based. It's dominance-based. Let's move on. Novak wants proof of the rape or she's going to indict Will for murder. She needs a paddle. She needs a corroborating witness. So they need to get a warrant to try and find this shit. Mm Mm-hmm. In the fucking quad at Wallace University, Stabler's talking to Alicia Pinkhair and Nathan, I look like Andy Samberg in a surfer guy wig. Mm-hmm. Nathan doesn't think Tyler raped Will. Nathan tells Stabler that what happened to Will being taken into the basement and all that awful shit is called an encounter session. The older brothers, I hate that they call them brothers too. It drives me nuts. I know. The older brothers, like Tyler, would smack the pledges around to see how much they could put up with. And someone was always with Tyler to make sure that things didn't get out of hand. When Stabler asks who was with Tyler that night, Nathan starts acting weird. He's like, I I don't know. I don't know. The basement was dark and there was like super loud music and I got a midterm. I got to get out of here. That didn't seem, they're like, well, that's it. That must've been all of the information he could give us. Alicia explains for Nathan after he left, which she doesn't have to fucking do. I don't like how Stabler was up in her face. Yeah. Alicia feels forced to explain for Nathan. Like it's her, it's her responsibility to get her man to do stuff. Right. Fuck off. Mm -hmm. She's like 20, 19 maybe, you know? So she tells Stabes, well, he doesn't want to get the brothers in trouble. Oh my God. Nobody outside, this is, there's not one person that is or has been in a frat that listens to our podcast, but nobody outside of your frat cares about your frat. Nobody. Your frat is not, it puts a cult mentality into you to give you like this level of importance. Anybody that I've found in my life that holds and maintains a really um, solid level of importance, I did not like get close to them through being abused by them. Right. Like that's fucked up. Stabler tells Alicia that Nathan needs to work with the detectives or he's going to end up in jail. Mm. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Nathan. Oh, my God. Not my fanny. My bong. <laughs> Back at the precinct, Benson. You run like a guy named Fanny. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Back at the precinct, Benny gets off the phone with Toots and is given the deets. CSU found nothing on any of the paddles seized from the frat house. Nothing was found at Tyler's dad's house. Novak doesn't think there's a case. And she still doesn't believe them about the rape. Stabes thinks that there's a brotherhood cover-up job happening. Either way, they're waiting on those piping hot, buttery al dente luds. (laughs) Just then... Just then, Alicia shows up with the Tau Omega initiation ledger. They keep a journal of what they do to the pledges. This is actually a real fucking thing, by the way. She's. I don't know why they would keep that type of information. It's insane. It's the most incriminating diary you could keep. She's fucking jazzed as fuck to give it to Stabler. She's like, check it out. Look what I fucking stole, dude. She's like, I did what you asked, daddy. I (laughs) I got some information. Stabler is like, I cannot accept this because you stole it. And she gets super frustrated. And she's like, oh, my God, everything you need is in here. There's so much more than that, even. And she picks up this book that looks like it belongs to the Sanderson sisters. Yes. (laughs) Big, gorgeous, ornate book. And reads them some of the instructions in this ledger for drugging and date raping women. So there's not only like this happened, then this happened, then this happened, fucked up shit. But it's also like this is how you successfully drug and rape a woman. Uh huh. And then it's like, just make sure, like, tell her she can sleep it off upstairs and let the fun begin. Make sure to dress her when you're done yeah oh god craigan comes up the stairs and stabler looks over to him and says we've made cases before with stolen evidence like should we Mm -hmm. craigan goes fuck yeah dude roll that dice so they do (laughs) (laughs) papa needs a new pair of tiny cute overalls (laughs) 
Later that night, Novak and Stabler go through the ledger, some real fucked up shit. An entry from the day Will says he was raped says a pledge was sodomized and, quote, he will crap blood tomorrow, but we will make a man out of him yet. Ugh. And Benson's like, this isn't a fucking initiation. This is pure sadism. The ledger only has frat pseudonyms, like pledges names, so they can't find them out easily. Tyler's frat name was Brother Dahmer, and Kraken's like, yeah, cute. Gross. Novak says she was wrong about Will's rape trauma defense and she'll plead him out. Okay, awesome. Cragen says that it's getting off pretty easy for murder. And then Staler says, quote, if Will was a woman who killed her rapist, would it be an issue? And I'm like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Fucking thank you. Novak says she thinks that Tyler didn't act alone. Right. Benson says you're right and reads more from the ledger on the day of Will's rape. It says that two frat boys ran the quote initiation, Brother Dahmer and Brother Kong. Ew. If they want to do something about the frat, they you need run to like a guy who calls yourself Brother Kong. That is such an overcompensation. <laughs> right. Brother Kong got a fucking tripod dick, and it's like dong, dong. <laughs> It's Brother Kong, but everybody calls Kong. me Brother Dong. Kong, they call me Kong <laughs> yeah. the Dong. Nobody fucking calls you that, Tyler. Rob. I would love for his like mom to be like, nobody's ever called you that. And he's like, Mom. mom. <laughs> Novak says if they want to do something about the frat, they need to figure out who Brother Kong is. Even if he just guarded the door, he's still an accessory to rape. All right, Nathan is brought in for questioning. He says he doesn't know anything about Will being raped or any pledges being dragged to the ER. In the ledger, they talked about like hitting a kid's head so hard that he was bleeding and they just dropped him off at the ER like, mm. on the ground. Mm-hmm. Novak brings out the initiation ledger thingy and she is able to identify him as Pledge Nancy and how he was hit on the knuckles with a hockey stick. Nathan's lawyer is like, whoa, whoa, and makes Novak hand over the ledger so he can look through it before they make a deal. Novak tells Nathan he's on the hook for helping Will dump Tyler's body. Adding the info from the ledger, it's assault, depraved indifference, and conspiracy to commit rape. Nathan is freaking out. And he's like, you, you gotta help me out, man, to his lawyer. Mm-hmm. Novak offers Nathan a suspended sentence, no jail time in exchange for Nathan to testify against the frat. Nathan is all worried because he's you know, doesn't want to piss off the other dudes. I don't understand this mentality. But his lawyer accepts the deal. Novak asks who Brother Kong is. Nathan tells her it's Rob Sweeney. Whoa, Rob. At the Tau Omega frat house, pledges are outside in baby costumes and being forced to chug beers. Rob is outside holding a fucking hockey stick. Remember, like, hockey stick was used to hit pledges? Mm -hmm. Benson says... Anyone who doesn't want to be fucking arrested for underage drinking better leave. Then Rob is arrested for aggravated sexual abuse. And he's like cracking jokes the whole time like a fucking psycho. While he's being taken away, he smiles and is being cheered on. It's fucking gross. It's, okay. Yeah. It's very fratty. The whole, yeah. Back at the precinct, they're questioning Rob now. Rob, who in this scene at least, is an absolutely terrible actor. And he's like, mm-hmm. come on, weren't you ever young? <laughs> And asks them if they know the difference between assault and a harmless prank. Xander Henry fucking busts in the door. Not another word, Rob. And Novak gets nip to nip with this guy and tells him that Rob's abusive will led to Xander's son's death, which is a clear conflict of interest. He can't represent Uh Rob. The whole time I was telling you that, when I said nip to nip, I was going like this. (laughs) I didn't see it. I had my little finger guns over my boobs, but Gabe couldn't see it, so I had to make sure she said. We're heading over to judges' chambers. Novak, Judge Preston's freshly permed and box-dyed hair, Rob and Xander walk down the hall together. I swear, if Rob doesn't take off that stupid fucking frat hat, I want him to take it off and be 
just morphed into a 40-year-old balding man. <laughs> Xander claims that Novak is letting his son's killer go. Okay. Because he's like, you're focusing on this shit. Will killed Tyler. Like, why are we so focused on what Rob's doing? Novak tells the judge mm -hmm. that Xander can't be objective because his son's dead. But Xander argues that Tyler would want him to represent Rob. And the judge is like, yeah, he would. I agree with you. And I'm like, this is nuts. <laughs> yeah. He's too close to this. It's, it's There would be no way. No, absolutely you know? not. Especially toward when they're in the trial and he's questioning. It's just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Xander also motions to suppress the Tau Omega ledger as evidence and argues that Alicia was working on behalf of the police because she took Stabler's direction to do what she had to do, quote unquote, literally. All right. They had a conversation. Stabler, remember earlier, Stabler was like, yeah, just do what you have to do to make this whatever. But it wasn't. Well, he was like, do what you have to do to make Nathan. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And then he says she also vandalized the house doing $4,000 worth of damage. And the judge goes, mm, yeah, I also agree with you on this. The ledger is suppressed. What the fuck? I know. And Novak's like, fuck, we literally have nothing. We're yeah, there's nothing. So then they bring Alicia back in for questioning. She's with Stabler and Novak. She says that Xander came to see her and told her that she was going to get arrested for stealing the ledger. She got scared mm -hmm. and told him she was doing what Stabler told her to do. And Stabler's like, dude, I didn't want you to steal or vandalize the frat house. Obviously she was being manipulated to say a specific mm -hmm. thing by a high-powered uptown lawyer. Mm -hmm. She's like, what? I didn't fucking wreck the place. I don't know who did that. After the interview, mm -hmm. Stabes and Novak do a little precinct walk and talk. Stabler speculates to Novak that the frat brothers did the damage to increase Alicia's sentence. Durr. Mm -hmm. Novak yeah. tells Stabler he'll need to challenge Alicia's statement in court and Benny's going to back you up. So you can totally do that. No shit. I didn't need you to tell me that Benny's going to back me up. I'm very aware of that. We are best mm -hmm. friends. Possibly lovers someday. Who knows? Whenever. They're going to fucking touch genitals on their deathbed. It's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> To Novak, this is easy peasy. Like, this is what you have to do. And Sailor's like, I don't want Alicia going to jail for trying to help us. So I mm -hmm. don't want to do that. I don't want to contest what she's saying in court. Mm -hmm. Stabler thinks that Will and Nathan's testimonies will be enough to paint the picture for the jury. So just use that, Novak. And she's like... I, what? No, that's not enough. I can't prove that they aren't lying. Mm -hmm. And then she goes, the word of two fallen pledges against the all-American fraternity. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds really fucking yeah. risky. Mm. Stabler wants Rob Sweeney to go to jail. He's a bad guy that needs to be put away. And Novak's like, cool, yeah, I know. You need to find something that's going to help me put him in jail that you actually agree to do. Yeah. So now we're in the court during the trial. Will takes the stand He's all beat up and wearing slings and shit. He tells the court that Rob would make them stand naked in the snow, hit them with hockey sticks, kick them, and a few guys ended up in the ER. Will tells his rape for the jury. Rob and Tyler took him to the basement to see if he was, quote, man enough to take a good paddling. Tyler paddled him. Rob kicked him and flicked lit cigarettes at him. When Tyler wouldn't hit Will as hard as Rob wanted, Rob took the paddle and called Will a, quote, queer. And he's, like, crying so hard because that is humiliating for a man to be called a queer because I hate America. <laughs> it's, like, fucking... Whatever. Then Rob sodomized Will with the handle, berating him the whole time, like calling him a woman and all the stuff that like guys don't want to hear. After Rob finished, Tyler told Rob that Will was bleeding and Rob said, what do you expect from a woman? Ugh. Rob is fucking smiling from his seat. He's fucking absolutely a sociopath. Yeah. Now it's Sanders' turn to question Will. He asks him why he killed Tyler. Will tells him that he was afraid Tyler was going to rape him again. 
Xander says that Tyler wasn't the one that sodomized him. And he was like, yeah, but he would do what Rob told him to do. Xander asked why he told his lawyers that Tyler raped him. Will said it was because he didn't want to get Rob in trouble. Xander starts yelling and calls him a liar and says, Will cut a deal with the coppers and will tell any lie and blame anyone he can to save himself. See? Obviously, Novak is like, object. And Xander withdraws. Nothing further. Now Nathan takes a stand. Novak asks him what the brothers made him do. And he just said shit like, oh, you know, like drink and do jumping jacks, like whatever. And Novak's like, so you weren't forced to be paddled or stand in the snow naked or drink till you puked? Nathan says he wouldn't say he was, quote, forced to do those things. He said he wanted to. He's totally downplaying all of this. And fucking Novak's pissed and Rob's fucking smiling. Novak reads Nathan's grand jury statement. He did use language that suggested he was made to do these things, Will described. She calls him out for trying to change his testimony. And he's like, I'm not changing my testimony. I had to do those things, but it was fun. Rob didn't make us do anything we weren't okay with. Then Novak notices a fucking Tau Omega pledge pin on his jacket. Nathan was invited back into the frat. Novak is fucking pissed. She calls him out for not testifying against Rob in exchange for a spot back in the frat. What the actual fuck is going on? Terrible. So in the precinct, the gang's doing a recap of court. Benson is pissed that Nathan gets to walk after changing his story. Novak's like, well, he didn't really change the story. He just gave a different interpretation of it. She can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. Craigan's like, well, we still got the weekend. What can we do? Novak needs to get more evidence or a witness. Without it, she's fucking screwed. They're all screwed. Mm-hmm. They're all going to laugh at you. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. They're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> yeah. Benson says that no one from the pledge class will talk. She fucking called everybody. Stabler says that something doesn't fucking add up. There are some calls from the mortuary to Xander's home six and 48 hours. But Tyler's funeral was three weeks ago. Like, who the fuck is calling from the morgue and why? Craigan's mm-hmm. like, check it out. <gasps> Oh, yeah. she looks the same. Oh my She's an age. <laughs> At the Tri-State Crematorium in Queens, it's OMG, it's fucking Kristen Shawl. Let's hit her creds, okay? Bob's Burgers, Last Man on Earth, mm-hmm. The Later Toy Stories, Big Mouth, What We Do in the Shadows, Our Flag Means Death, Bojack Horseman, Gravity Falls, Despicable Me 2, 30 Rock, Sleepwalk With Me, Flight of the Concords, Horrible People. Again, if you have never seen her or heard her voice, you are doing entertainment incorrectly. <laughs> You're doing Mm -hmm. it wrong. Yeah. And apparently she also works at the Tri-State Crematorium in this universe. Okay. Hmm. So Staves is walking with this employee to the dumpster because she needs to throw out a beautiful floral arrangement. And she tells Staves that she was calling Xander to get a hold of him before incinerating any personal items, Mm -hmm. which so like people will put mementos in a casket. She always checks with people before she cremates people with the items. Yeah. He called her back the day before and told her just burn everything. So Tyler's box is in line waiting for the incinerator and Stabler plucks it off the shelf, opens it up and it starts going through everything. There's a fucking Letterman's jacket and some other. There's a fucking box of there's condoms. A box because, of condoms for like the uh, party in the afterlife. Like fucking gross. Stupid. And there's also a plus, you know, those fuckers don't use condoms. Jesus. Gross. There's also a Tau Omega pledge paddle. Hmm. Mm, I, think I'm a gonna, jacket. I think I'm going to take that. I think I'm going to take mm-hmm. I'm going to keep this. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep it. He takes it to the crime lab. Let's go there. The paddle found in the box is the paddle that was used to rape Will. Someone tried to use bleach to clean it, but because of the nature of wood grain, there was blood and fecal matter really deep in the grain. 
mm-hmm. the blood is a match for Will. Xander storms into the lab because he figured out where they were or whatever. I don't know how he got any information, but he storms into the lab and he's like, hey, that paddle's my property. You took it without my permission. And Stabler stays super chill and goes, you know what? You told the funeral home to burn it, so it's discarded property. Hmm. <laughs> Xander's like, oh, damn it. Fax me the lab results and he leaves. Stabler follows after him and tells Xander to spin it any way you want. Dude, Rob's fucking guilty. And Xander goes, I've known Rob my whole fucking life. He's a good kid. Stabler goes, um, not quite. He's a rapist. Uh-huh. They're getting closer and closer and closer to each other in this hallway. And um, as they're holding hands, in the last of these moments, Xander points out Stabler's tattoo because he has his sleeves rolled up, obviously. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that tattoo, which he got in the Marines. He tries to compare it to the frat, like the military to the frat, the Marines to a fucking college fraternity. And he's like, you mm-hmm. were pushed so you would bond just like them. And I'm like, these guys are sweater vest wearing trust fund babies. Like, this is not mm-hmm. the same thing. And Stabler's like, yeah. bonding? Bullshit. Rob's a fucking psycho. You saw that ledger. And Xander's like. That's just talk. Fucking bullshit. gross. Fucking locker room talk. Trump on a bus, grab him by the pussy. Bullshit talk. I know. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Stabler goes, Rob raped Will. Then Rob sent Tyler over to Will's apartment to beat Will. And Xander rolls his eyes and starts to walk away when Stabler says, or was it you who told your son to go to Will's dorm? Ooh, the tender, steamy luds drizzled in a balsamic glaze say that, yeah, Xander spoke <laughs> to Tyler on the phone twice the day that he died. He's like, oh, you give me your little pep talk on bonding? Huh? Huh? Dad? Remember that Xander was a part of the frat, so he's just as big of a douche valuing all yep. of the sh- same shit that these guys do. Mm-hmm. He's got a backwards frat hat under a wig, so he can always be wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> Stabes accuses him of being embarrassed that Tyler's pledge quit on him because he was a pledge master, remember? And Xander uh-huh. told his son to go get Will back. Tyler didn't want to because he knew that Rob had gone too far. Mm-hmm. And the whole time during this Stabler, Xander back and forth, Xander's like, what? That's not what it's about. Blah, that's not fucking Greek life, bruh, or whatever. And Stabler's like, if you didn't know then, you know now. Rob caused Tyler's death, okay? How could you defend Sweeney Todd? How could you defend <laughs> Sweeney Rob? How could you defend Rob when you know he's the reason that your son is fucking dead, guy? And Xander just walks away and goes, it's my job. Fucking Stabler's mouth totally drops open. He's like, oh. <laughs> we have very different jobs. Cut to dinner with Kath and the kids. And he's like, and then he was like, it's my job. <laughs> Can you believe that? What kind of dad does that? He should be sandbag punched. <laughs> so now we're in the trial. Rob takes the stand. Novak shows him the paddle. Rob says that it's Tyler's paddle. He's like super chill and calm. Rob said it was actually Tyler who raped Will with it. He said he tried to stop Tyler and that Will was drunk and confused. Novak asked Rob why he put the paddle in the casket. And he's like, well, Tyler loved his friend and would have wanted to be buried with it. He says that when the cops asked where the paddle was, he didn't tell them because he didn't want them to call Tyler a rapist. Uh Novak thinks it was because it would implicate him in the rape of Will. And in a smug bitch voice, he said, no, I was trying to protect Tyler. Ew. So now Xander questions Rob. He asks him if his son Tyler raped Will. Rob denies having raped Will and says he never would ever intentionally harm any pledges. Then Xander asks 
So you never made them stand in the snow naked or hit them in knuckles with hockey sticks. And then Novak's like, oh, fuck. And then asks for a sidebar. She wants to readmit the Tau Omega ledger. Xander says it was illegally seized and it's inadmissible. Novak says that he opened the door to allow it when he asked Sweeney the questions about the snow and the hockey sticks because that was what was in the ledger. Xander says, oh, well, then I'll withdraw the question. But the judge says, you can't unring that bell. And she allows the ledger back in. And then I was like, I bet Xander did it on purpose. I thought the same exact thing because we're geniuses. Yeah. And Stabler's dad shit got to him. Mm -hmm. Later, Novak presents the ledger to Ryan. And makes him read the passage about Will being raped. Oh, he like doesn't want to because he knows what it says. And yeah. the judge makes him and makes him read it louder because he's being a little bitch and being quiet. He reads, Pledge Kathy was being a weenie tonight. <laughs> weenie. I need to start <laughs> saying that more about people. What a, what a little weenie. Pledge Kathy was being a weenie tonight, so we showed him what we do to weenies. We suck them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Gabe's like, I'll show cr- you what I do to weenies. <laughs> Not you, though. <laughs> He'll crap blood tomorrow, but we'll make a man out of him yet, which we heard earlier. Mm-hmm. Novak was like, who's Pledge Kathy? And he says it's Will. And then Novak asks him to continue reading. We haven't heard this part, but Ugh. he says, Pledge Master Dahmer paddled Pledge Kathy for about 20 minutes. 20 fucking minutes. That sounds exhausting for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Tyler and Rob. What a big day for them. <sighs> mm. Tyler was Pledge Master Dama, like we were told before. I kicked the pledge and I burnt him with my smoke, but he still wouldn't break. So I took the paddle and I jammed it into him. Mm. Dahmer said to stop, but I kept going until Pledge Kathy cried like a girl. Dahmer saw the kid was bleeding and he stopped me, just like a little bitch to be on the rag during initiation. Holy shit. Yeah. So gross, dude. Rob admits he wrote that entry and then admits to raping Will. And the judge is like, fuck, this is some crazy juicy tea. Like, her face the whole time was just like, what? This Mm -hmm. job is fucking nuts. (laughs) Yeah. In the courthouse hallway, Stabler runs into Xander and says, you did it on purpose. And I was like, ooh, I was right. (laughs) (laughs) Xander's like, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. That would be a breach of ethics. Xander says he defended his client to the best of his abilities. First, like Xander kind of walks off and then Stabler says like, for what it's worth, you did the right thing. Xander looks sad and says, it really used to be about brotherhood and walks away. And then the way the light is hitting Stabler's head, you can see the top of his scalp through his hair. (laughs) (laughs) Toyota, end of episode. Toy frat boyota. Okay, tell me about this chaser. Okay, I so I gotta tell you about this. Just shut up. Um, I read all this stuff. Okay, so there's there's not an episode that's like this is this episode. There was a little thing I read. I read a million little things. One of them: over sixty men have died during hazing while they're pledging frats in the last twenty years. Also, no, really, it sounds like not a lot because we're looking at like a percentage, whatever. But that's a douchey. No, that is a lot to me. I'm, I was. Why like, is that a risk factor? How has anybody died from a frat? That's the ple- thing. Because okay. there's gonna be somebody that's like that's only point zero one two percent of the entire pledge population doesn't matter why why is that a risk of pledging to be in a group of pals it's college also Hmm. another fact that's not fun and totally awful did you know that frat guys are three times more likely to commit sexual violence than any other dude it's only three times i thought it was gonna be like a hundred percent of the time a hundred percent of the time every time it's a shame because it is there are benefits to well i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you about this situation there 
there are benefits to what? <laughs> well, well, we'll get into it as it goes, you know, because usually when I think frat guy, I picture the dude in the episode with a backwards hat, chiseled jaw, white man mm-hmm. with a very powerful father who's the partner at his law firm. Yeah. Not always the case. So I sifted through multiple hazing deaths and injuries and I found our story. And here it is. Okay. In 2013, 18-year-old Chun Sien Deng, known as Michael, was starting his experience at Baruch College in New York City. His parents had immigrated from China to Queens and really focused on their son getting a fantastic education. Like They were like, you're going to be first-generation American, mm-hmm. going to college, fucking killing it. Uh, in December of that year, he and a large group of other male students were spending a weekend in a house they had rented in the Poconos. Okay. Sounds fun. It does sound fun. On December 8th, 2013, Sheldon Wong, Charles Lai, and Danny Chen brought Michael into the Pocono Mountains emergency room in Pennsylvania. Mm. Michael was unconscious, unresponsive, with severe brain injury and trauma to his body, which could have only been the result of multiple blows to his head and body. The hospital staff called police shortly after they arrived because of the extent of Michael's injuries. Mm -hmm. Detective Robert Miller showed up as the hospital staff attempted to stabilize Michael. Michael's mom rushed to the hospital and his dad was en route from China because he was out of the country at the time. The three guys that brought Michael in told Detective Miller that Michael had gotten his injuries playing a game called King of the Hill. Immediately, I know exactly what they're talking about. We played this game when we were kids. You know, you climb up on a big plowed pile of snow and you shove each other off and whoever is like the person on top is the King of the Hill. Yeah, and you like fight everybody off. But like, it's not like... And you win propane and propane accessories. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, so King of the Hill. The cop was like, huh, noted. I mean, there's just like, bing, bing, Mm -hmm. bing, bing, little red flags throughout this entire thing, okay? They also told him that this trip was a little getaway for friends before their first semester finals. So while Detective Miller is sitting with these three dudes at the hospital, Detective Lucas Bray went out to the house to check shit out and talk to anybody else that might be out there. Something the cops noted as odd was that the house didn't look like a crazy party had been happening. Like, this is just like a pile of college dudes, you know? So it should have been like fucked up, yeah. Very possibly. Also, none of the guys that brought Michael into the ER seemed under the influence of anything, and Michael had no alcohol or drugs in his system Hmm. when they did his blood work. Okay. So, Detective Bray goes to this house. There are 23 three other college students there. Wow. Okay. Detective Bray went through interviewing every single one of them individually, and it was really odd that they all had the same exact story. Mm-hmm. The story was, well, I went to sleep about 11 p.m., and then I woke up at about 7 a.m., and I was found out that Michael had been taken to the hospital. He heard the story 23 times. And that's the first big red flag. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 23 dudes on a weekend trip got their full fucking eight hours while a traumatic injury was happening. And nobody saw anything? Yeah, that doesn't, no. Also, these guys are being vague as shit. Like, any information they did give was almost worthless. It's obvious that they've, like, all corroborated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when Detective Bray would find an inconsistency in between people he was interviewing, he would call somebody back in that may have had a conflict of what they had said prior with another Mm -hmm. person just to get them to clarify. He noted that this really started to fuck with them. Mm. So he kept it up. Yeah. Because some of these kids had to come back and talk to him, like, three or four times. Because he's like, I'm really going to need you to clear this up for me. Because this, you said this, and he said this and this doesn't make sense. So their story as it was building became less and less solid. Yeah. When he got to Andrew Wu Cho, one of the 23 guys at the house, Mm -hmm. Andrew slipped up a little bit and told Detective Bray that they were all part of the Pi Delta Psi fraternity. 
Mm. Up until that point, they were just a big old group of guy pals, just mm-hmm. just friending it up in the Poconos. Mm-hmm. No, they were, they were a frat. And that's when shit really took a turn. So these cops were like, okay, we've talked to a total of 26 18 to 21 year olds who all left out the fact that the one thing they have in common is that they're part of a fraternity. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's probably a thing. Oh, is that... Mm, maybe. (laughs) Detective Bray then asked Andrew if Michael was a member of the frat. And Andrew very helpfully says, yeah, well, Michael was scheduled to become a member today, actually. He was a pledge. So it went from like, we've got to figure out how this accident occurred and like what's going on. Because at first they're like, maybe there's drugs involved. Maybe these kids are just trying not to get in trouble. Yeah. Maybe they were fucking around and, you know, something happened. But they find out that they're a frat and they were hiding the fact that they were a frat. Mm. Very suspect. So back at the hospital, Detective Miller sits down with the three that brought in Michael. Mm -hmm. He's like, we got to do a second round of interview, you guys. I know that this is a fraternity and you need to fucking start talking and tell me what the fuck's going on going on right so they tell him that there was a very specific reason for this getaway and it was not "Mm, let's just get a little relaxation in before finals this was what they called crossover weekend so in frat culture there are key points in joining and they're called the three deadly nights the first one is the bid and the bid is the night that you find out you're chosen to pledge and what i picture immediately is like the black bag over your head you get thrown into a van and you show up in somebody's basement in your underpants and they're like you're gonna be a part of a brotherhood or whatever right they have to talk like hulk hogan um (laughs) you're my brother the second night is the big little night when you're assigned a big brother so they call someone they're big and they're they're little and they kind of like sherpa them and this is this is all like 18 to 21 year olds Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 this is just like this person is going to be their guide yeah their guy yeah their guide their fucking sponsor through pledge and then the third night is crossing over. And this is when you go from being a pledge to a brother. This night is where I picture them having like stupid robes and candles and masks and yeah. shit and being like, this is important. Do you see how important this is? It's dark down here. <laughs> So on this trip, quote, brothers had been performing hazing rituals to initiate the pledges into the fraternity. Yeah. This is just handfuls of hours. Hours are going by. This is all still December 8th. So the cops eventually throughout this day are like, we need to take their phones. Like everybody's fucking around on their phone right now. Yeah. And we need to take their phones. They had been communicating with each other. Duh. Duh. Of course. By 4 o'clock that day, detectives called ADA Kimberly Metzger to get search warrants for the house, the cars, and the phones. They took the Mm -hmm. phones. They couldn't get into the phones. So they get the search warrants. This house that had been nice and tidy, right? Once Mm -hmm. they start going through it, they found tons of frat paraphernalia, jerseys, banners, ritual candles, candlesticks, you know, just everything with their fucking Greek letter logos on it and shit. Mm -hmm. And all of it had been put away before police initially arrived Mm -hmm. as if covering up the fact that a frat was important. Right. They're like, Mm -hmm. why are you guys covering this up so bad? Like, there's a reason that this part of covering it up is important to you. Mm -hmm. Cops also found clothing that had belonged to Michael in the trash. It was wet and showed that they had changed his clothes and discarded them for some fucking reason. 
right? Mm, yeah, so this is some fucking reason. The morning of December 9th, Michael passed away. <gasps> no. And this is when, obviously, it became a homicide investigation. These guys really started to wear down over time as well, and the detectives were slowly able to get more and more information from them. So there were four pledges crossing over that weekend, Michael just being one of them. Mm-hmm. So now they're just kind of figuring out, like, they understand what happened to a degree, but they need to know who's responsible. I mean, mm-hmm. there's dozens of guys and and nobody's saying enough yeah so there's a hierarchy of members in a frat kenny kwan was the pledge assistant which means that he was the overseer of the rituals at this event okay sheldon wong was the pledge educator so he was the overseer of the pledges and the process of events mm-hmm. charles lai was michael's big so the his sponsor, like his sponsor confident yeah. confidant yeah. number one yeah and it finally came out that michael had actually been injured in a hazing ritual called the glass ceiling the glass mm-hmm. ceiling in this frat was supposed to symbolize the struggle of Asian Americans as they attempted to become a part of mainstream America or break through the glass ceiling. So, sure. I mean, if you haven't, did I not say that? The, this frat is is uh, an Asian American frat. There were different frats yeah, at no, this you school. Did, you didn't say that, but like, I'm, I, I'm glad. Yeah, I didn't okay. say that. Okay. Yeah. The, the frat is for the Asian American community. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. Michael joined this frat because there were benefits to being a part of this group because you know there were a lot of like charitable things that they did and whatever and it was really good it was going to look good on a resume it was going to look good for him getting through school and moving on and plus he Mm -hmm. wanted the social aspect of it and all of this stuff going into it was folklore anyway like these things about what happened in hazing and stuff that they didn't know going into it yeah so in the glass ceiling these pledges are blindfolded and made to wear 30 pound backpacks filled with sand the backpacks supposedly symbolize the weight of their fraternity bond mm-hmm. and they're instructed to cross a field calling out for their big brother and attempting to navigate that route in this field there are other brothers standing in the way to obstruct their path and the physical contact would grow in severity with each rising level of the ritual so as oh, this is going God. on they're going from blocking their path to pushing them to you know just making it more and more difficult for them to get across this field to their big and that's supposed to be this is supposed to be like the final thing and then when they get there then it's like you've made it across the whatever yeah all very symbolic so michael's autopsy revealed extensive bodily trauma Mm. his entire back like from the base of his skull to his tailbone was completely bruised severe head trauma and everybody had bumps and bruises these other pledges but Mm. they didn't get nearly the abuse that michael did during this ritual and the reasoning was is because michael fought back so like remember that all of these rituals are new to the pledges right so they're going into this they're like okay we're putting this blindfold on you he didn't know that he was going to get a 30 pound backpack slapped on him he didn't know that he he's just following instructions and completely blind to the next thing that's going to happen the only people that know what's going to happen are the people that are already in the frat yeah so it's like well why did he fight back why was he fighting did he even know what he was supposed to be doing necessarily no it was a part of it and they let it get out of hand these guys Mm. let it get out of hand one in particular i believe it was sheldon wong was the one who would have been able to go stop and it could have all stopped because he was the overseer of you know Mm -hmm. everything that was happening he was the fucking head counselor at camp he was the fucking brother kong or whatever the fuck yeah Mm. 
Yeah. So Michael's getting pushed and hit and whatever, and he didn't like it. So he's pushing back and he's hitting back. I think not realizing he was just supposed to take whatever was thrown at him. So because he wasn't just accepting it, brothers around him were getting pissed at him and giving it to him way worse than they were giving it to others. At one point, he had been knocked down and could not stand back up on his own. And he was speaking in slurred speech, but everybody just kept yelling at him to continue forward. Right. But he couldn't even stand up on his own. Mm. So then when he does, when he does get up or they get him up, it was then that pledge assistant, Kenny Kwan, from a distance, took a running start toward a blindfolded and likely concussed Michael, (sighs) knocking him completely unconscious. Oh, no. What? Just tackled him. Oh. The witnesses said he was immediately completely motionless, but rigid and stiff. And Detective Miller had said that when they explained that to him, like this is what he looked like after he was hit, he knew exactly what that meant because it it's called decorcative posturing. It's an indicator of severe head trauma. So if oh somebody has God. like a massive head injury, that's how your body responds. They just fucking like stiffen up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> The young man brought Michael inside and tried to help him regain consciousness. They were doing different home remedy shit that I guess they thought would help. They put sugar on his lips. They tried to warm him up and put dry clothes on him. And then they finally took him to the hospital. It was said to the cops that it was about 15 minutes after there was concern for him that they took him to the hospital, but it was Mm -hmm. actually over an hour. Mm -hmm. And the drive was about 45 minutes to get to this hospital. And after his death, the forensic pathologist said that the delay in treating Michael's injuries, quote, significantly contributed to his death, Mm. Mm. which means those charges are different aren't they? Mm-hmm. If they would have just rushed him to the hospital immediately, it may have been a very different outcome, not only with him surviving, but with the way they responded to an injury, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the days that followed, Andy Meng, the national president of the Pi Delta Psi, put out a statement about Michael's death. And he called all of their actions an unsanctioned series of events that led to his death. It has no connection to the national Pi Delta Psi, whatever, because there's different like, I can't remember what they call them. It's not chapters, but they're they're like mm-hmm. a tiny section of this huge. And so like each thing. little section has their own sort of like whatever they do, right? But they're not supposed to. They're supposed to follow very strict guidelines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, these are not part of our guidelines. This is unsanctioned. This is not what we stand for. This is not what this is. None of this was part of the ritual. To- Hopefully that's true. I mean, who knows? You know, I do. Oh, inform me about. <laughs> so, yeah, a- Andy Mang put- puts out this big fucking announcement. And he's like, none of this is part of the frats rituals for brotherhood. Like, of course we have them. But that is this is not what it is. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Remember Charles Lai? Yeah. Cops had his phone. Well, guess who was in direct communication with Andy Meng the entire morning of December 8th while Michael was hospitalized? No. And in fact, Andy was instructing Charles to tell the group to cover up the fact that it was related to anything to do with the fraternity, hide all the frat shit, don't mention Delta Psi to the cops. Everything was per his instruction. Mm -mm. You do not want this to come back on the brotherhood. Um, this ritual, this glass ceiling, exactly the way they did it, was standard practice of the entire national fraternity. No fucking way. Then police got a hold of the pledge education manual. It's used for every chapter of Pi Delta Psi. And it was an instruction manual. It's like, this is how the frat is run. It's like, it was like that big fucking. Yeah, the same thing with the, yeah, okay. The episode, the ledger. But remember now, boop, boop, boop. This is fast forward from that. So this is 2013. People have gotten a little bit wiser. Mm -hmm. And the darkest part about this 
pledge education manual is really the broad strokes that it's painted in. Okay, the glass ceiling was in there, like many other frat traditions and the rules. The details of it were not. In the actual manual that they were able to access, it said that each chapter was only allowed to have one physical copy of the actual manual. If it was sent via computer file, the file had to be destroyed. And then when updates happened, the physical copy had to be shredded or burned. And information could only be relayed to other members of the frat verbally. It could never be shown to anyone. There were like two people in each chapter that were able to even have eyes on that. Mm. So getting access to that was impossible. These are fucking teenagers. The, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're fucking chill. Like yeah, Michael was 18 years old. I found that really disturbing because it's like, what is so bad that you don't want in writing that anyone can see? Yeah. It's because this shit's abusive standard practice. Right. By 2015, they had enough to start charging. In the end, there were a total of 37 defendants, all charged at different levels with the death of Michael Dang. 37 because they found out later that there were nine other dudes beyond the ones that were at the house that had left before the cops got there. And it's like, you're going to get found, honeys. So they're like, oh my God, we have all these people to charge and there's all this different shit. And they had to like do basically a LuLaRoe pyramid situation of who's going to get what charges and how much and how does it get spread out? Mm -hmm. So they were charged in groups. Everybody was charged with hazing. Anyone who lied in the initial investigation was charged with hindering apprehension. And the top tier of charges included murder in the third degree, uh, which they were able to plead down to involuntary manslaughter and assault. So Charles Lai received 342 days, which was time served because he wasn't able to post bail. So he was released at the time of his sentencing. Mm. Sheldon Wong and Raymond Lam were given 10 to 24 months. Kenny Kwan, the guy who actually physically tackled him in that last hit, was given 12 to 24 months. The National Fraternity had a jury trial in this case. And on November 17th, 2015, the National Organization was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter, aggravated assault, hindering apprehension, and hazing. The frat was fined $110,000 and was banned from operating in the state of Pennsylvania for 10 years, which then got overturned in an appeal, but the fine stuck. I I know. It's not that much money. Okay. I know. The school created a moratorium on Greek life until 2024, meaning all frats could no longer recruit new members, but only for that period of time. So they're going to be able to start picking it up next year. Ew. In 2018, in response to the death of Michael Dang, New York State passed an anti-hazing law. And what I really found there was there's different tiers of hazing now. And the biggest one is hazing in the first degree, which would include causing physical injury, is a class A misdemeanor, which means in New York, it's the most serious classification of misdemeanor and could equal a year in jail, fines, up to three years probation, suspension of one's driver's license. So bigger charges than were given prior. Everybody that served prison time for Michael's death have since been released and live quiet lives, not a whole lot of social media, can't really (laughs) access too much. Hmm. That's it. Shit, I never heard of that before. Next week we got season 5, episode 13, Hate. I didn't make a big description because I didn't, the descriptions that I saw online seemed like to give a lot away. So I just wrote, two Arab American women are raped and murdered. They were trying to improve relations among other groups. Uh, cool. There's some, something was xenophobic, fucking whatever. And it's going to hit close to home in 2004 because it was right after 9-11. Well. Well. Rate and review. <laughs> Uh, I hate this. I know. Rate and review the pod. Give us five stars. That's the important takeaway here. Please, (laughs) folks. Gross. 
email us at svpod.gmail.com. If you want to send us anything, which we love, by the way. <laughs> we Box, don't get mad at that. We don't. P.O. Box 176 DeForest, Wisconsin 53532. Check out our Instagram at svupod. Get fucking pod merch and more. Get merched <laughs> at svpod.com. Join the Facebook group svpod elite squad. I fucking love it. And we also have a chat group called walk and duck <laughs> hashtag little bit loud for indie pods. And whenever you find them, hashtag it, just keep doing it. Cause then we can all come together and like listen to new stuff that doesn't have fucking networks and shit. And then join yeah. the Patreon. We have a bazillion stuff on there. We have so much fucking content. A bazillion stuffs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so good, so much, so dumb, and you're missing out if you're not there. <laughs> you got friendship boats, you got garbage cookies. Some bonus chasers here and there. It's mostly just us friendshipping really hard. Some fucking ghost stories. Oh, yeah. If anybody ever emails us like a ghost story or you send us questions about anything, we almost always read that shit and talk about that shit on the Patreon. Not almost, we do period we do yeah we do if you send a ghost story i immediately get anxiety diarrhea about the next time i get to read it to gabe because i know how excited she'll be and i love to please her anything that ever says like ghost or haunting i do not check the email because i want to be surprised and like i almost throw my phone out the car window because i'm like oh my god i have to make sure gabe doesn't see this first (laughs) no i i see it and i go nope don't you do it yeah it's like she's proven herself that she's not going to read ahead but I still don't trust it. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. I'm to be trusted. I, I know. You know what? I trust you more than I trust anybody. I love you so much. If I ever murdered somebody, who do you think the first person I would tell is? John. You. Oh, oh yeah. Long before. I would. <laughs> John. Well, he has the money to help you. Yeah, but I have to. I have, have the to heart process it with you first. Oh, yeah. Okay. Love okay. you. Bye. Love you. Bye. T-shirts, get your ice cold T-shirts like Stockhand. <laughs> Boogerless pizza from Domino's. <laughs> Can you roll the window up a little? Can you shut up a lot? <laughs> What's um, that from? Just kidding. I remember. <laughs> it's from your mouth to someone who didn't deserve it. <laughs> she knows she did. Love you, Mel. Love you, Mel. You run like a guy who loves a finger in his ass, but will never ask for a finger in his ass. Just do it. Mm -hmm. It's 2017. Everybody's eating ass. In 2013, why did I say it like somebody who doesn't know how to say years? In the year of our Lord, 2000, zero after the two, 13, one, three. Stop it. I know. I thought you would like that. I do like it. I love movies with that. I do like it, but it's not you, so I'm like... Quit. Like if your favorite if your favorite movies were a guy, that's what his voice is. In the year two thousand. In the year two thousand. And to our elite squad patrons. And to our is that elite squad. Like? Oh yeah. my god! It was like two. And no, two. I didn't. Stop it. Did I? Okay. Trulalu. And to. Oh my god, I and to our elite squad patrons, Sony W, Marissa M, Alki H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew. Andrew. Oh, we miss you, Andrew. Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Vanessa, Amy P, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Kate H, Ooh, Yaya. 
Kayla J, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Katarina G, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jenna M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Bear. Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Mac Attack. <laughs> Did Jesus you hate w. yourself right after you said it? No, I'm just. I just every mid, time I do mid saying it, you were like, ugh. I, uh, Casey W, Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T, Kaylin B, Camille Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, K Allen, Katie M, Eliza W, Crystal B, Jessica P, Zahn and J, Nada M, Sin, Christina D, Madison H, Emily, or did it? <laughs> or did she? <laughs> or was it? That's what I was trying to get to. Okay. <laughs> Victoria B, Scout G, Melissa M, Desiree D, Drew B, Quinton S, Amberly C, Louise M, Sapphire, <laughs> Monica K, Katie S, Trish S, Angela D, Brenna T, Andrea M, Natasha S, and Andrea H. Thanks, you fucking guys. Thanks, you fucking guys. Mm-hmm.